my failure is much more like death by a thousand paper cuts than any mm. single big one. I think it's kind of a series of things, not keeping my best portfolio work. Mm-hmm. Um, choosing to stay in environments after I knew there were red flags. I, I think that's probably my, my biggest one overall and not learning marketing. For the last 15 years, why have I not spent an half an hour uh, a day or two hours a week studying marketing and getting good at it? Hello, and welcome to Talks with Sarah No Socks, a podcast about failure and how it's leading us to success. Each week, I sit down on Mondays and share my weekly failures with you. And I'm joined on Fridays with a special guest who's sharing their own story of failure and how that's led to their current success. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Talks to Sarah No Socks. This week, I am joined by Carrie. I'm so excited to sit down and chat with Carrie. We've been following each other on Twitter for quite a while, and I'm sure you know her. She's been all over the no-code space building amazing products. She's probably best known as the founder of Find Vaccine USA, in which she was on Good Morning America for, but she's also produced a ton of products outside of that. She's built multiple communities, including the Co-Founders League, Open Coffee Clubs, and most real recently, Build Squads. So I'm really excited to chat with her, hear her story, and uh, all the cool things that she's up to. Welcome, Carrie. Sarah, thank you for having me. This is so great. I, uh, yeah, it's nice to get to have the conversation. We certainly had lots of Twitter responses back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's what I said before we hit record. I feel like we have already had so many discussions, so I'm really looking forward to seeing you face to face, even though it's virtual and chatting and hearing more about you. So we know all these cool things that you've done, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are in your own words and how you got to be where you're at? Yeah, so I am definitely and and have all have been for the last 20 years, which is my whole career, um, a big tech enthusiast. So, um, you know, I, I didn't start out in tech. I started out going to film school and I loved that. I really was deep into documentaries, but I wasn't sure I was willing to be that much of a starving artist. And at that time, the cameras were still really expensive and I probably needed to move to New York to do what I wanted to do. And I didn't see a clear path to being a successful business person. So um, I moved to LA and then I worked a little bit in film out there just because that's you know, what I knew, what I had studied. I worked at CAA and Warner Brothers and some, some places in the movie industry. Um, but I had grown up really uh, kind of connected to tech um, and I, that was really where I, I was drawn after a couple of years of working on things that weren't interesting to me in film. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, that, that industry is just, um, uh, I don't know, the fiction storytelling version of, of movies just wasn't, it, it just didn't draw me in. So um, I found this site called monster.com and I got a job just down the street from my house in Venice was living in LA at the time. And uh, I would ride my skateboard to work. And I was working in somebody's house as their first like full-time hire and an admin on a, um, uh, on a tech startup. And I worked there for a couple of years. It was what we would call today a chat bot, but uh-huh. it was a very early stage version of that. And, uh, you know, so I never really left after that. This was what I wanted. 
And um, so I've always been part of tech startups or uh, UX teams at big corporations. I worked for Fossil mm -hmm. for a couple of years doing UX design for them. I ran their AB testing internationally. So that was a great place to learn how people respond well with huge numbers of, yeah. of users yeah, um, and, and really get to build some usability chops on, on a lot of details, especially in e-commerce. And um, yeah, but I am so excited about this phase. I've been waiting for it. And I mentioned this to Natalie for years, uh, probably at least a decade. I've been testing out tools on the market and trying to execute my products on my own, even yeah. though I've been working for clients and doing UX design work mainly. Um, I've just always had so many ideas. Um, and, you know, now I can make them come to life. And now I need to just slow down the ideas, execute more. Yeah. And I, I really, I need to figure out the marketing or connect to somebody in marketing so that I can get that piece. And I'll feel like I'm really on my path. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so much there. I think that's super exciting that you started basically a transition immediately from film to a startup. So that's, mm -hmm. I can't imagine the experience that you gained going right into a startup from the get go. That probably gave you so much insight into what tech is when it moves fast and kind of the life that you were building and didn't know you were building it. <laughs> it gave me some insights into life for sure. Um, yeah. Startups, I can't say that I have worked in very many that are uh, healthy and enjoyable environments. Right. <laughs> um, but I definitely learned um, a lot of challenging skills, how to make sure that things are moving forward, even when it seems like things aren't and, and you know, to just push things as hard. I, I think part of what makes me good at no code today is that, I, I mean, I learned back then you just have to push and you have to work with what there is and, and, and make things go as far as they can. And you, you just can't be daunted by obstacles because mostly startups are all about insane obstacles and you're crazy. You would be crazy to be there if you thought you could just get things done like you should go work at fossil if you just right. want to do some things with your day yeah. and check things off a list but if you want big hurdles and and to feel needed and push hard hang out in startup world yeah I, amazing i know a lot of people kind of transition from corporate to startup so i think it's really fascinating that that's where you started and went from startup to corporate was that intentional did you get burnt out from startup and then we're like you know what i need something a little bit more mundane <laughs> well um yeah i don't honestly i don't remember at the time how intentional that specific transition was um i i, I mean that was what jobs were on monster probably at the time. Right. Um, and, and plus, and where I was living, that was probably, I really wanted a place that I could ride my skateboard to work. Yes. Priorities. <laughs> take, take my lunch breaks on the beach. I'm sure you can relate to that. hundred <laughs> percent can relate to that. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, that was, that was definitely part of it for me. Um, that that place was close. Um, but yeah, I don't really remember how intentional choosing something small was. I, I generally fit better there mm -hmm. um, just because I kind of like the, the messiness of startups. Yeah. And, um, and, and I kind of like a bit of chaos. And larger companies have everything figured out and processes. And you're supposed to just kind of follow follow whatever rules are there. 
and, right. and everything's in place. That's yes. not as great for me. Yeah, I think we're very similar minded with that. I am the same way. I often found myself seeking chaos. And I think that's why my personal life was so busy. And I was constantly in school and seeking out more education because I needed to have tons of things going and constantly be learning and being challenged. And I just wasn't getting that in those, you know, kind of larger roles that it was a very set path to find tasks and responsibilities. Like, did you check your email and come to the stand up? Yes. Like what else is there to do? <laughs> I, I need right. a bit more activity. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's fine. But yeah, I mean, you get one life. I want to push. I like to wake up and push every day. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to, I mean, I loved my years at Fossil, but I would go hang out in the Starbucks that was in the office and tell my boss, text me if you need me. I've right. done my work. And, mm-hmm. you know, then I would read other tech articles or sometimes I'd even sit there and read a book. And like, that's, it's okay. But yeah. that's just, that's not that's not what I'm seeking out of life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important that you learn that lesson. Sounds like pretty early on in your career that you weren't fulfilled with just being handed a role. You wanted the opportunity to create something and push yourself outside of the boundaries that were already in existence. Yeah. 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 You know, I grew up as a competitive tennis player at one point, I think it was the 16th best in my age group in Texas. I played division one in college. You know, I, I think I, I, from a very young age, the first time I asked to move out, I wanted to go train with uh, Bella, the Bella Caroli in Houston for gymnastics. I was, I yeah. was doing gymnastics. I, my parents would take me to the gym at 5 a.m. three days a week when I was in kindergarten. So, yeah. like, I, you've always been driven. Yeah, it's just part of who I am. I, I can't help it. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. So when did you kind of transition to basically a full-time maker or are you also doing consulting work? Kind of what does your day-to-day look like right now? Yeah. So my livelihood is definitely still client work. I am, I am not making money on any of the products that I'm creating. Um, I am not any good at figuring that part out yet. I think I am close, but I haven't like hit my stride and getting all the things lined up to, to have, any revenue from the products I'm creating. So definitely client work. Um, and I'm trying to transition. So for the last six years, I've done UX design uh, mm-hmm. work. And I'm trying to transition at this point to doing um, to doing no-code work for clients. And I've started to get to do some of that. So yeah, that's, that's where I am with, with those things. Awesome. So you've transitioned from UX to no code. Now, are you, I know there's a lot of talk in the no code space building kind of no code agencies and setting up these different expert databases to help connect folks outside of the no code bubble with industry experts such as yourself. So have you kind of merged into some of those spaces to try and find clients? I am trying to, you know, it's funny, like, I feel like my portfolio pieces right now are scattered because I don't feel Mm -hmm. like there's great completeness on any of them. So I'm struggling a little bit with showing how to present myself and what I can really do. Um, And then things like I'm really good at Integromat and Coda. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I feel like taking screenshots of formulas in there couldn't be more boring. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, You know, I feel like some of my Airtable formulas, I'm coming along quite a bit in what I'm capable of doing and how I think about those. Yeah. but so I'm struggling to figure out how to position myself. Again, marketing 
not my strength. Um, some of my past UX work, uh, I ha have not been great at keeping and building a really solid portfolio of some of the work. Mm -hmm. Honestly, a couple of the environments I was in were pretty toxic. And so yeah. leaving there, it was mentally a struggle to just decide like, hey, I want to show off all the work I did there because right. I didn't want to think about those places. And I think I made some poor decisions in not keeping as much of the work as I should have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't have some of my best work to show off in general, but, um, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you touched on a lot of things that we all struggle with marketing ourselves and our products is very difficult. I've talked about that openly on every forum possible. I'm like, please give me all the help. I don't, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest lesson I've learned so far is just to be yourself and people naturally gravitate towards you, the person and what you're doing and can see that. I think you're building in public really well. You know, you do such a great job sharing what you're working on, asking questions, engaging with your audience, which, you know, is key, right? Let people know you exist and know you can do all these things. Portfolio is obviously important, but I think... You know, you mentioned that some of these were toxic environments that so can be really difficult to revisit and not necessarily something that you want to keep doing. So I I think, you know, that's always kind of a, yeah, our brain tricks us a little bit, right? Into thinking like we made a mistake, but in actuality, it was protecting us from having to go back to that situation and revisit it and revisit those feelings. So I think you're okay there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I know you have been in the no-code community for quite a while, and you've built all of these wonderful little spaces, and you're continuing to grow them and all the communities. Talk to me about how important community has been on this journey for you. Uh, it's game changer. So, you know, I, I feel like the startup world is very, um, I feel like at, a, at its core, a lot of it's unhealthy, mm -hmm. and I can't feel more different about no-code. Yeah. So to me, it was a light I didn't see coming. I knew that the time and the phase where I was going to be able to build the ideas that I have, like posters of love is our product that you did years ago that I unsuccessfully tried to make work. would love to bring that back. This community, that could be an interesting product and I think I could do well. But like startup world, like that wasn't even, I, I don't know, I, could, I couldn't bring it into that community because everything is about unicorn companies, change the world mm -hmm. um it, it's just it's always so big and so important and and you have to have millions of dollars and uh, the best teams and everybody's competitive and uh, so community in no the no code world and i feel like um uh, maybe i've jumped into a couple conversations where i've seen a little bit of of infighting or just kind of negativity in a way that maybe I shouldn't, or maybe it's not necessary, but I just, I, I feel like as long as we can protect this kindness mm -hmm. and give first and, and uh, are just at least a, a pretty overall healthy attitude in the no code community, uh, the better it's going to serve us all. And also, I mean, what a great thing if, if, the people who are entering this world in six months and a year still get to see it because it will end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I know it will. <laughs> I hope it won't. Um, You're like, it shouldn't end, but it's going to. <laughs> I know. Like part of me is like, maybe it doesn't have to. And maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I, I, it means a lot to me that like KP taking a chance on me and letting me into on deck and, and just, 
having support and positive conversations regularly Mm -hmm. makes the work when you get stuck and everybody gets stuck. Yes, a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it makes it easier to be like, okay, I'm going to spend the next however many hours and I'm going to solve this. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, I've watched you build some of these communities and now with Build Squads, I'm super interested in that. We're going to chat about that in a second. But, you know, On Deck has been a big impact, I think, in the no-code community. We were really starting to see folks come together. Of course, you know, indie hackers and MakerPad and some of these larger spaces that really brought tons of people together. And then you had these little nice groups spin off. I mean, I'm in one launch MBA, you know, just all of these little like corners of the internet that had these small little safe spaces doing exactly like what you talked about, you know, meeting and working through things. And then your Twitter bubble expands or your LinkedIn bubble or wherever it is you're living outside of (laughs) that community. Um, has been great. And I agree. There's always some level of competitiveness, I think, that comes in. It has been relatively safe, and we haven't seen too much of that. I think there's a lot of miscommunication that happens um, and a lot of jumping to conclusions that happens, which you have that in any any space, right? Yeah, and think, people just make mistakes, too. Exactly, yeah. I, I can't say everything I've ever said is perfect right. because sometimes you do want to agree, disagree with something, and I, it's, it's odd. I'm a firm believer in that disagreement's important for progress to happen, and so... Yes. And I'm not necessarily uncomfortable with disagreement, but it, you know, there's that. And then there's not that <laughs> there's, there's right. personal attacks and, and hurtful community. And I don't know, I, some of the best environments I've been in have been these really healthy conversations where you're just like, Oh no, it's this way. And you're like, yeah, but what about this? And you know, you really get somewhere by pushing each other, pushing against the ideas that other people are having. And then you come out and you're like, yep, now we're building a better product. Right. And I think the beauty of no code is the fact that there are so many ways to do it, right? Like there are so many different ways to build these products and tie these things together. And there may be one that's faster for you, but if the other maker has learned it a different way, how about it, man? <laughs> like if yeah. that works and doesn't break, go for it. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll be interested too, to see how the space kind of evolves and what it looks like, but I'm with you. I'm, you know, all for kind of open opinions and sharing knowledge and supporting each other, even if we don't agree on the method we took. Sure. You know, good. We all built it. (laughs) So talk to me about build squads then. And now how this has kind of come into your community space. You just launched this, right? Yeah. So last week I had a pretty busy day and I gave myself, I turned on my timer. I use these little, I have these cube timers. I know everybody can't see, but um, they have numbers on them and I set it on the one hour. And so I turned it over and I gave myself an hour to build this idea that wouldn't go away. I kept falling asleep to it and thinking and waking up to it. And so I built build squads, which is essentially um, the continuation of co-build hours that we did and on deck that I had some really just just great conversations there. And so I was like, I don't want to lose those. I wonder if anybody else would still want to join me for those um, since we don't have them on the schedule anymore and on deck. And um, uh, so then, yeah, I, I built a site. I built it in an hour. I stopped that after the hour. I did one tweet and I had more responses and sign up than I'll get for things I've been doing since January. And I was like, oh my God, so frustrating. Um, and you know, the site's pretty sad still, but 
people are showing up. I think tomorrow I have, uh, I think I have over 20 people signed up for the Webflow build squad tomorrow. And it's just two hours. Um, people can drop by for, you know, 10 minutes or the full two hours. And we just, I, I try and have people who have specific things they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no agenda. I, it's just kind of casual. People ask questions, people show off what they've done. And we talk about building in Webflow for two hours with whoever's there. Nice. I, I love this concept. Now, have you, it's just all open, no, no kind of price, any, anything right now. You're just no inviting price. the community. Absolutely. Yep. You can show up, you can join for free. The only thing is you have to use the around video app and you can join from the browser oh. if you don't want to download it. Um, I just feel like it is perfect for this format because we're doing a lot of screen sharing and um, it lets me moderate really well so people mm-hmm. can raise their hand and I can see the order they've raised their hand and um, people can react with gifts that take over their face and a couple of things like that. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I used around one other time I get motion sick. So for me, <laughs> it was like not great at all. <laughs> I liked all the built-in features, but I'm like, Oh man, there's way too much movement. I can't even look at the screen. It was just too much activity going on there, but it is cool little concept. Yeah. I do think it is nice for moderation. So um, yeah. Okay. Very cool. So what's the hope with build squads? Are you hoping to kind of build this out? You just scratched your own itch basically, right? You wanted to build yeah. buddies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I wanted to continue to have that connection yeah. more than necessarily helping me figure out how to build uh, any specific thing. I mean, I feel right. like at this point, most of what I want to know how to do, I can do pretty quickly that every now and then I'm, I'm having issues. But um, I, I just, I like that connection. Um, so my goal is really to use this as hopefully marketing for what I'm trying to to do as a business now called co- co-work squad. And I just want to create the whole co-working experience online, but um, add some more structure to it. Yeah. So, um, or add some more options to it. So I want to add book club, business book club discussions, podcast discussion clubs. Yeah. So in on deck, we did a global build weekend and I worked on a team that that had talked about doing discussion podcast discussion clubs instead uh-huh. of book clubs. Yeah. So I love that concept. Just adding these things so that I can make it if I can get the community big enough, I can make it so that people can have some some a single place to have a lot of these different types of things like accountability, mm-hmm. masterminds and book clubs and and then just drop in spaces as well. Um, yeah. You know, I have like a quiet room set up and, and around really allowed me to kind of see this vision and see this possibility. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make all that happen, but um, well, I'm going to give it a try. You can do it, Carrie. You can do it. <laughs> I, I think that's amazing for multiple reasons, right? It fills such a hole that we have. I think as everything went remote and we were all in the pandemic, we were overwhelmed. We're all in a state of stress. A lot of people lost their jobs, trying to figure out what to do. And everything went online faster than it needed to. You know, there are some of us who are fortunate enough to be used to working remotely for many, many years. And so this was not kind of a shock to our system, but we're still undergoing the same stress. And as we kind of emerge, at least here in the States, you know, over the next few months and into the fall, like people now are used to this, right? They're used to meeting folks online and connecting and being yep. able to ask a question and hop on a call real quick. And so to build that in an online environment is really ideal because now we've made all these friendships that we're like, we don't want to go 
back to not having them? How do you keep connecting in different manners? I think yeah. you're really on to something. <laughs> I'm hopeful. And I've got one small unfair advantage for the moment, which is that around is free. So I have a limited time to get yep. enough people there and using it before, uh, you know, it becomes really hard to, to grow and sustain. So I'm hoping, you know, in the next six to 10 weeks, I can get the community there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can think of so many ideas for you to offer this out, all of these different communities that I get asked all the time, like, do you have co-working communities? And I, I think I only have one right now in Community Finder, so I can happily add this one. Hopefully <laughs> um, and, and it's on the weekend, you know, which doesn't always work out for folks who are trying to not work on the weekend. We have all these different yeah. folks in different stages of their career and life and what they're doing. Um, so the more, the better. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful. And I'm hoping that that positioning that people are already expecting to pay for co-working right. will be useful. I, but as opposed to just saying, like, let's all gather here. Right. Well, and, you know, I don't, did you do co-working spaces before the pandemic? Like, are you familiar with the in-office co-working spaces? Oh, yeah. I joined the very first one that ever existed in Dallas. And I've been working at them for about seven years. Okay. So Eight you're very years. familiar with the space. Yeah. yeah. I have to tell you, I tried. I went to a couple different co-working spaces and they felt so awkward to me. I just felt completely out of place. I don't, I mean, I'm an introvert, so that's probably why. And I'm like, this is just weird because everybody is working, but they're working around me. Nobody was talking. There wasn't any like connections. It just felt very disconnected. <laughs> I was like, we're all just sitting in a room together. What is the point of this? Oh my gosh. You should have run into me at one because I'm always going up to people and be like, hey, hi, I'm Carrie. What do you do? What are you working on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know right before the pandemic started last year, I think it was in January, I went to a, an event at one and they're like, oh, you should sign up. We'll give you a discount, whatever. I'm like, mm, this just feels not right for me. I'm really glad I didn't. <laughs> Oh yeah, everything that came, but <laughs> but online co-working sounds amazing, right? That you like now are connecting with people and connecting on different levels, other than just building products. I think it's just a great way to help further the connection within the community. Very yeah. exciting. I'm hopeful. We'll yeah, see. that's awesome. So, build squads and the co-working squad is a co-working squad. Co-work squad. Co-work squad. Okay, so that's like your products that you're building now. So you're doing the client work and trying to shift over to no code. Talk to me about that shift because I am, you know, I left corporate to go into design. So how is it moving from out of design into no code? Oh, I'm still doing it. So I haven't fully, yeah, I, I mean, I'm still figuring it out. Um, you know, I have a ton of connections in Dallas locally in the design world and that's just where my work has been. Um, but I used to go to meetings in person to get all that work. I used to run a bunch of stuff in person. So even that in the past year has been a big struggle. Um, yeah, so I don't have I don't have answers. I have problems. You have problems, no answers. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that your design background helps you build better products? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have built the, uh, I couldn't have the COVID product that I created would never have been successful if I didn't have a strong UX background. I focused very deliberately. I, I think it took me eight or nine hours to build it the first day. I bet I spent four and a half of those hours on making sure that the forms were going to be so simple and ask the right questions. Yeah. And that might be seem excessive, uh, but that was the core of the whole thing. 
if it yeah. had been too complex. The 80-year-old who couldn't see the state, the state of Texas site would have also left my site, but they didn't. They stayed on my site, and then they sent me emails and said, thank you, I'm 80, and I can't see the state site, and yours <laughs> is giving me hope I'm going to get this dang shot. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I do not think that's a limited amount of time. I think that's a superb amount of time. Um, it's one of my my big qualms, I guess, in the no-code space is that people are really quick to ship products and don't think about the experience aspect and what folks are really doing once they're in there. They're, I'm excited that we can ship things quickly, but I do get concerned that there's like, it needs to be a little bit of a buffer in there. <laughs> We're, you know, asking folks for feedback. Um, we call it feedback, but even if it's a non-designer, you know, you're still getting user feedback. So like, you need somebody to be going through that and tell you honestly and openly like, hey, this is causing me a little bit of trouble or I'm not actually able to see this text or, you know, make sure it's accessible and all those things. So I love that you're bridging the two. That's what I try and do as well and make sure that everything is accessible and usable. And um, yeah, it takes a little bit longer, but it's worth it because then you have success like you did with the the Find Vaccine USA. Yeah, it, it certainly gives me a confidence once I'm putting something out there. So I've thought through the the, the experience. And, and really, it is that always that user flow at, that I try and achieve of give them something of value uh, and then put their put the ask at an inflection point where they're like, okay, yeah, like that's, I need that or I'm interested in more and then ask for something. And maybe you just ask for a little, uh, ideally ask for as little as possible. Right. And then when they realize, okay, I'm ready for the next step, then ask for the next amount of thing. And maybe I do that too cautiously um, because I am more focused on experience than I am on selling and marketing. So right. I'm, I'm trying to push myself to maybe be more aggressive in some of those things. But that's my comfort zone. Is yeah. I love forms. Oh my gosh. I could, if I could, somebody would pay me to spend all day just building the forms. Oh. I mean... <laughs> I can't tell you how much I would like to go to the patent offices site oh my and gosh. redo their patent application process in their or their copyright form. It's so bad. Oh, it drives I, me crazy. I'm like, you have a hundred mistakes the first three inches of the site. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of intense. Um, well, definitely, if I get any form requests, I will come to you. Forms <laughs> are, I have. I'll be honest. Here's the, the behind the scenes curtains. I have one form, one form that I have designed. That is the form you're getting, regardless of what you ask me for in the form. <laughs> Just getting that one form. That hey. Oh, they're so if hard. It's the to greatest build. form. You're good. Oh man, they're just so difficult. They're they're really time consuming for me. Um, but I'm glad that you like them. Now I know somebody I can refer to. I'm like, you know what? Carrie is your girl. She has got you on this form. <laughs> yeah. So, would you say that Find Vaccine USA has been your most successful product to date? Oh, by far, with no code. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I still get fifteen thousand people a month to the site. That I haven't mentioned it. I don't. I ran into the analytics by accident yesterday because I stopped looking at it. I right. I forwarded it to the CDC. Their site came out um, about a week or so after I launched the site with Oracle that they were helping me take it national instead of just from Texas. Then the mm -hmm. CDC launched the site and I forwarded it all, all to the CDC site because that's the most helpful. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So how... How did that whole process work? Can you talk about that? You launched it and then all of a sudden Oracle reached out to you and said, hey, we actually want to help you make this a little bit stronger. What was that like? Yeah, that was surprising. It's probably <laughs> the best description. I was like, oh, okay. Well, 
Yeah, I can't. And, and, you know, I really, uh, I went on the Vis- visual at dev FM podcast and they, I asked them, I was like, well, how do I respond to this? I was like, right. I don't, I mean, my site's done. Like, what can they really do to help? And they were all like, yes, you say yes. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay. So the next day I responded and said, yes, yeah, let's do this. And then, yeah. And then they just built the site using their version of a no-code tool. I forget, I think it's called Apex. Okay. And um, I didn't have access to any of the build. They looked at my site and they went ahead and did it. And apparently they got free credits for this project faster than anything had ever gone through their company so that we could have cloud, uh, uh, you know, users. And yeah, and the process was great. The person I worked with, Kurt, who had reached out to me, and he was the one who went to Oracle and pushed to yeah. have this happen. He and his whole team were wonderful. Uh, I felt so bad when they launched the site, and then like the week later, the CDC. <laughs> you know, I mean, who, they have all the inside information. Everything's right. up to date. Like we just, right. our site at that point was, it just couldn't compete, and so we forwarded it to theirs so you know I felt a, I, I know he was really disappointed that it didn't get to stay up there longer but um, I had yeah, it was a delightful experience I was glad to see that they were willing to to give some time and effort to make it national because yeah. it really was all about trying to help as many people as possible and yeah it's an amazing fun. amazing product you definitely helped so many people I, I mean if not nationally, even in that short week, I'm sure you helped more people than you realize because that's just phenomenal work. Yeah, I wish I had it to do again. I would have tried to go on every local news station in the state of Texas because that's when I would get the huge spikes for right. the audience that actually needed the site. The over yeah. 65, they watched the local news. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, some of the other media I got was fantastic. I mean, the Wall Street Journal, I will forever be able to say my name was in there now. And I love that. Yeah. But they did not move the needle on traffic anywhere compared to KXAN in Austin doing a story. Yeah. <laughs> right, the little local news stations. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, they were powerful. <laughs> Very cool. I, I just think that's so amazing that you were able to do that one so quickly, really showcase not only your skills, but the power of no code and kind of the expansive reach that it has. It's just really amazing. I'm so glad you got the attention that it deserved too. Um, it, it just made me really happy. I was like, oh my gosh, she built this great thing and people are seeing that she built this great thing and celebrating her and all her hard work. And that was really exciting to see. It felt um, so good. I appreciate the whole community, all the love. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. So a ton of success. I mean, you're pretty early in your no code journey. Talk to me a little bit about failure. What what maybe has been your biggest failure along this journey? Yeah, you know, I've been listening to your other episodes and I feel like my failure is much more like death by a thousand paper cuts than any mm-hmm. single big one. I think it's kind of a series of things, some of which I've mentioned, like the not having, not keeping my best portfolio work. Mm-hmm. Um, Choosing to stay in environments after I knew there were red flags, um, you know, I, I think that's probably my my biggest one overall. I I feel like when you're when I worked in startups, it's so hard to go in, give it your all, and I don't like to quit. I don't like to say, hey, this is just way off track and it can't be fixed. I like to to 
to push and fix it and say, you know, it's okay. But um, I think my, my biggest problem was consistently not realizing that those environments that I needed to go see what, you know, it's like opportunity cost, go see what else was Mm -hmm. out there. Because the longer I stayed in that environment where things were going downhill, the worse it was going to be. You know, I had one CEO tell me I was a product manager and he said the words, no girl is going to design my product. And I'm like, why am I at that place a second longer? Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, really weird, bizarre stuff. Uh, You know, somebody who for months at one place was saying, you know, basically we're going to commit fraud when we need to get the experience, access to experience data. And I'm going to have the whole team participate in it. And I knew they were going to do that. And I stayed until it like became obvious Mm -hmm. that they were going to do that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. This isn't the place for me. I'm not going to lie to the the regulator. Like I just, uh, my comfort zone, you know, and it's like, why when I knew that and they didn't I leave so I feel like that's my biggest failure is just getting into these places mm-hmm. where it wasn't right and I stayed mm-hmm. and I acted like you know this can be fixed and we can succeed and it's like I had the signs that place wasn't succeeding right or if it was I still didn't want to be there right right <laughs> I think um yeah it's a good point you touched on a lot of people fail at that myself included I stayed 15 years longer than I wanted to, right? Like, it's just one of those situations that a lot of times we think or we tell ourselves, right, that it's not better anywhere else. It's like this everywhere. Or I'm getting paid really well. Or that's just how they are instead of calling it out for the harassment that it is, the, you know, unethical practices that it is, the gaslighting, the manipulation, like all of these things that you're like, wait a minute. That's not correct. <laughs> yeah. Or even occasionally I've been just simple incompetence. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Just realize like this isn't working. Go. And not yeah. to say that I haven't worked in some places that were great because <laughs> I have. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's that when you just keep making those decisions, a couple of decisions that I'm like, oh, and not learning marketing, not for the last 15 years. Why have I not spent an, half an hour a day or two hours a week studying marketing and getting good at it. That's, I, I mean, I, I do it now, but it's like, no, that was a huge choice that I made that wasn't a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I see a lot of makers. It's almost 50, 50, if not a little bit heavier, maybe that most makers don't know how to market. Like that is the one area we consistently struggle with. You have a few folks that have come from a marketing background and of course they know what they're doing, but most of the makers I see that enter this space are in the same boat as you and I like, marketing. Hmm. I don't know. I made this thing. Somebody use it. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's just not good enough. Right. It's definitely not. Or you like put out one tweet and you're like, well, the landing page is up. I tweeted it. Nobody wants it. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) That's me half the time when I build things. I'm like, why is nobody buying this? Oh, are you talking about it every day? No, I don't want to talk about it every day. I'm on to the next thing. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I don't want to tell something every day. I want to build every day. So at this point, I just got to find that that co-founder or marketer, that somebody who wants to sell something every day, I can build a new product every 10 days. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. You need a balanced co-founder. <laughs> yeah. Or every 30 days, I can build something worth selling every 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I need to find somebody who wants to sell something. <laughs> 
all the time. Your list. I know. I'm always asking Natalie for uh, marketing advice. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, we should, you should talk about your product more. I'm like, oh, okay. Aside oh. from that, what else am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's exactly what I want to talk about. What I built, I want to build the next thing. I know. Or well, you know. More. So what I do to help with that is when I see folks that I know, so now I know, right, that marketing is not your thing. So I'll just constantly retweet, reshare and do your marketing for you because that's what I want people to do for me. I'm like, if you like this, please just tell people that you like it because it makes my life so much easier. doesn't stress me out. I'm already on to the next thing. It's not that I don't support the thing I built. I just don't have the mental energy to spend on what I already did. Yeah, and <laughs> it's brain. Really fun filed it it's yeah it's more fun to talk about other people's products like I need to start whenever I get back from my walks and have listened to your uh, latest episode of yours I need to share it (laughs) yeah yeah I feel great about but but talking about my own stuff it's just like oh I don't want to talk about me I already know me I know. I'm I the did. exact same way. Exact same way. I'm always like, I don't. I already tweeted about it one time. Whatever. It's, yeah. yeah. I we know. Stop it's, that. <laughs> we do. We do need to stop that. I've gotten some better at it, um, but I think it's a it's a process. And I've kind of decided that I'm going to be my authentic self. Not that I haven't been, but you know, just share more of what I'm comfortable with, and that it'll work itself out. And either I'll hire someone if I have a big product that I really want to promote, and say here I'm not good at this I'll hire you to do it for me or uh partner up with people the third option is is yeah co-founders and actually I'm doing a co-founders league meeting in June we're going to do virtual with the people that I work with here in Dallas nice. and they're going to find the marketers and I'm going to find the no coders and we're going to do 20 no coders and 20 marketers and try and make connections there so yeah that's uh, great yeah, maybe you should join. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Some things I need to put on my list. Oh, man. So lots of, of good failures there, even though you say death by a thousand paper cuts. What did they teach you, though? I mean, staying in toxic environments too long and, you know, not learning marketing. What what has that kind of taught you now that you can take on into your maker journey? Yeah, I mean, it's just taught me that you got to you gotta just keep moving forward. And, and uh, I'm certainly much more aware of wanting to know people ahead of time mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of understand how they operate and that kind of stuff. Um, and I don't ignore red flags anymore, little ones even, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, there's an interesting balance there. Like now I feel like sometimes I'm a little bit too quick to raise an eyebrow and be like, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but I don't know. I'm also pretty forgiving. So it, uh, people can show me. I, I'll, I will let people recover and show me for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely, that's probably the biggest thing is that red flags are, are they're, they're warnings. They're, they're real. And if people tell you who they are and it's, it's concerning, if they say, hey, we're going to be committing fraud in a couple of months, right. listen. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'm going to ask you to be with me on it. I'm going to be like, no, I am not interested. (laughs) Pass. Hard pass on that request. Thank you very much. I'll look for employment elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, Very important. I talk about that a lot, like leaning into yourself. I've talked about it a lot this past month. That's just one of the biggest themes I see come up for a lot of people that they, they forgot to look in 
and like recognize that those little triggers inside all of us, we all have them. They show up in different ways. You know, some people get a feeling, some people just have a, a sense or, you know, sometimes it's more physical than that. Um, and a lot of people just ignore them and you can't because there's something there. I'm like yeah. you, I'm, they, I'm overly forgetting. I am an empath at heart and I try and always give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But I have tuned into like if you're doing things that I am uncomfortable with or your actions are not matching what you're doing on social media or what I see your company doing behind the scenes, I pay attention to that. And they're just like you said, red flags that I really tuck away. And it's not something you have to necessarily tell other people. I think people get confused with build in public is like call everybody out. But, you know, just like tuck that away and know that that's not for you. You have a mute button, a block button, move on. Everybody is not for everyone. And vice versa. Yeah. Or you should say it. <laughs> yeah, no, fully agree. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Definitely very important. So you have so much experience being a, a freelancer, a maker. Do you have any advice to give to our listeners if they're just entering this journey? Uh, you're super lucky and just get busy, practice, 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 you know, spend your days doing what you can do what you need to do to have your balance in life. But the way you're going to get good at this stuff is by being terrible at it for a while. And then you're going to be okay. And, and then you're going to be good. Eventually you're going to look at your work and you'll be like, Oh my God, I like this. (laughs) And it's not going to happen right away. You know, just don't worry if you're in that phase where everything looks terrible or doesn't work well, or, and the community's out there, join it, ask some questions. Don't be afraid. Some people are afraid to ask people for a favor Mm -hmm. or for help or people who don't know them show up to build squads. Like we're going to help you ask your questions. Like the whole reason I'm putting them out there is because I went through a whole bunch of struggles that I don't want everybody else to go through. If you can avoid that, like I would love to run some rooms a couple hours a week and just see what we can do to get people helping each other. Like you're so lucky though. Just work as hard as you can at something you're interested to create. This is an exciting time. The beginning days of the internet were really exciting. If you're 25 and just starting off this, you miss those days. Like you don't know what it was like in, you know, 94 or online or 96. Yeah. But it was was so much more creative and interesting and different. Mm -hmm. And everybody had their own take. We're heading back to that phase. I hope Mm-hmm. As opposed to this, like we've kind of come into a much more templated, similar, same ideas, same problem solving. Right. Solve the problem you see that others don't see that you have some unfair advantage at because you care or understand this world in a specific way because people are unique. Yep. I don't know. I'm kind of jealous of the people who get to start their career here. It's, it's kind of yeah. exciting. If you're 25 yeah. and just out of school, like... Oh, don't let anything hold you back because the tools are cheap and you have the time. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I feel like sometimes I think, oh, I'm so glad that I've been around since the beginning. <laughs> and then sometimes I think, maybe not, I'd probably be much further <laughs> was just entering because I would understand. I don't know. It's a, it's a give and take situation. Yeah. Well, we are where we are. So I know <laughs> like I, I enjoy, I enjoy being here now because I, there's a lot I appreciate that I am certain and I, I see it and hear it in the way they talk in mm-hmm. some of the, the kids in their 20s. And I'm just like, yep, you think about this very differently because you take yeah. it for granted that this is here. 
I don't. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And I think uh, the other thing I would say to that is don't take it for granted because it could go away. Like, you know, some of these tools may not be here in however many years. You know, there's new tools that spawn up overnight and so many startups now, especially like real quick indie hacked bootstrap startups. You just got to not take what you have for granted. Yeah, some of the tools may go away, but they're, we're never going to be able to be less capable of building. Definitely not. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. a couple of specific tools that if they went away or communities, I would be sad. So yeah. <laughs> same. I think a lot of people would, but I do think it's a very, uh, it's a busy market. So it'll be interesting to see who, who makes it over the next like 10, 15 years situation. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Carrie. It was so great to finally sit down and chat with you. Where can folks get in touch with you to hear about all the cool things you're doing and join all these different communities? Yes, the best place is definitely on Twitter. I'm at CC Girl. Um, I'm there pretty much every day, sometimes not on the weekend, but my, my messaging is open. So Perfect. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well as your website, your products, and how to get in touch with Build Squad so that folks can connect with all that too. And uh, we'll have to catch up when all of this co-working stuff takes off as well and, and see how, how things are evolving. Thank you, Sarah. This was so good to get to talk to you today. What a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to more of them. Have a great day. All right. Ciao. Bye. And that wraps up this week's show. Thank you to our guest for joining us, sharing your journey, your fails, and lessons along the way. If you want to follow along in between episodes, you can catch me on Twitter at Sarah no Socks. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help the podcast. Until next time, bye.